A new social media app could change the sports consumption experience, an MLB team is going public, and we have a great interview with the founder of a company doing something new in the very well-established worlds of basketball and soccer. It's Friday, July 7th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Threads, created by Meta, is Twitter's biggest threat to date, and here to discuss its impact on the sports world is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello again. So why is Threads potentially impactful in the sports world? Well, we've as Twitter has had its own internal tor- turmoil in these eight plus months that Elon Musk has owned that platform, there have been a number of competitors that have come along, Blue Sky, Mastodon, and so forth, Post, uh, but none of them have gained even a fraction of the scale that Meta's threads have done just even in the first 24 hours. The first day of operation, uh, threads got more than 30 million users. And that's an acceleration in a scale that we just have never seen, even in Twitter's earlier days. Um that we've seen in this kind of real-time social media space. Uh, so the, just the acceleration of this platform and, and going from zero to 60, use the automotive metaphor, uh, just the initial acceleration has just been so incredible on this one. Yeah, and you know, I would sign up for, I didn't get to Blue Sky, but you know, Macedon, all those other ones, I thought, you know, why not have an account? And you know, Twitter seems to be having some issues. But you know, then not that many people you know are on there. You get kind of tired of posting in multiple places. Everyone's still on Twitter. Right. But Threads is owned by Meta, which you know owns Facebook, and it's linked to Instagram. Instagram. And so there's already, you know, Oprah's already on there. You know, everyone's already on there. There's there's so many big names are already established there, and people are curious because, um, yeah, you've got that network effect of you know you want to be there because everyone else is there. But also, yeah, Twitter continues to have these issues that keep inspiring these very similar products. So. Twitter is often a place where, you know, when it's the Super Bowl or the World Series or just anything where a lot of people are watching at once, some it's the place where you could say, I can't believe that just happened. And everyone knows what you're talking about and is re- responding to you. Yeah. Um, do you think threads could potentially be at least a uh, competitor for Twitter in that kind of co-watching world? Not until they figure out the chronological feed component of this. And this is a big leg up that Twitter still has. And if they're smart, would lean into hard right now. Because that live experience, that real-time, truly real-time experience, um, that's really not possible the way Threads is set up right now to have that truly chronological feed and something that really is existing in that sort of co-synchronous aspect with a real-world live event. Uh, Unless and until that is fundamentally addressed, Twitter still has a huge leg up here. Yeah, right. I have to assume that this is something Meta was working on, but then Twitter just put in limits on how many tweets you can see right. in a day and a lot. Of, and I think they were starting to fix that. I don't, you know, I'm not entirely up this on that. This has the signs around. of a bit of a rush job from a development exactly. standpoint. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people are unhappy with Twitter right now. Let's let's get this out there and figure it out later, as you always right. kind of have to do with a product. Of and this Mark size. Zuckerberg has admitted as such that he's okay. like, we got yeah. work to do on the app, you know, and sort of heralding, hey, we hit 30 million accounts, you know, right off the bat. Isn't that great? But we got a lot of work to do. And this and we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, a guy doesn't like to admit fault on anything. Yeah, exactly. Anything else we should be looking out for here as Threads evolves? 
I think there's a there's still a big data uh, user data and privacy component that's really uh, applicable here. You know, there's this migration off of Twitter because of the antics of Elon Musk. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is no choir boy here. This is someone who has an established history of flouting, uh, you know, government regulation and, you know, thumbing his nose on a lot of controls. He's, you know, wants to do his own thing without really any checks and balances. And a lot of people just went headlong into signing up for this without really sort of thinking through their own behaviors and how their data was going to be collected, tracked, and sold. So I think there's still a real sort of, fundamental concern and and, and an issue to think through there as threads becomes a real viable thing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's switch gears entirely. Uh, The Atlanta Braves are going public, uh, as as you just wrote about for our site on frontofficesports.com. What does this mean exactly? Well, they already kind of were public. They were a tracking stock within the parent company, Liberty Media. What is happening under a previously announced plan dating back to last fall, coming up on the 18th, this split off from Liberty is going to be officially complete, and Atlanta Braves Holdings, it's going to be its own fully standalone thing. And what this means, I think, really just more from an for investors, it gives a lot of choice because Liberty sort of carved up their assets where if you want to get involved in anything that they have from an investment standpoint, you've got increased choice in how you want to place your resources. From a Brave standpoint, this just gives a lot more visibility to how they're performing as a business, their numbers, revenues, earnings, all of that. They were already there within Liberty's quarterly and annual reports, but now they're going to be fully their own thing. And it just provides a lot more sunshine into the generally private world of Major League Baseball, because even though these numbers have been out within Liberty Media uh, and their reports, and you could sort of extrapolate that out in terms of the health of the league, Major League Baseball writ large, this again just gives a lot more visibility into one of the league's best performing teams on and off the field and just gives, again, that greater visibility into what's happening under the hood. Yeah, absolutely. And Liberty, of course, also owns Formula One and they're, they, they've spun off Sirius as well, XM. right? Yeah, yeah. And so now you can you don't have to invest in Sirius XM if you want to own a little tiny slice of the Atlanta Braves. Right. Um, one thing I haven't really thought through here and, you know, we'll have to see how this all plays out. And again, as you said, the Braves, in a way, have already been public for a little while. But what incentives do you think this puts on the team itself to be a publicly owned entity that might not exist for, you know, every other team that is just owned by a reclusive billionaire? Well, you've got, you know, the all the quarterly and annual pressures of Wall Street to continue to hit numbers. And again, this has already been a very well-performing franchise across the board. Five straight division titles, the 2021 title, uh, current best record in, in the league this year, the battery, which every other team now wants to recreate in their own stadium and arena development projects. The list goes on and on. Um, But this really just continues to amp up the pressure of that performance, the remarkable performance we've seen over the last half decade. Uh, Just all the sort of idiosyncrasies and machinations of how the public markets work, that really just keeps the pressure on that life being really good right now for the Atlanta Braves and their fans. That's just going to have to keep up or you're going to have a lot of unhappy shareholders. Yeah. And, you know, I can't think it's entirely a coincidence that their model is to lock up their best players to these 
you know, good enough for the player, but ultimately team friendly contracts. Yes. Uh, that that run for a very long time. I brought this up before as a Mets fan. That drives me crazy that they just have this core that is is locked in for seven most of this key guys through at least twenty twenty seven, and several of them into the twenty thirties. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, well done, Atlanta. But hey, I've got Steve Cohen's ability to just fire hose money until the <laughs> the Mets yes. Metsness just somehow goes away one day. All right, Eric Fisher, thanks so much for all the insights. Always a pleasure. Up next, I spoke to John Mugar, founder and CEO of TBT and TST. These are basketball and soccer tournaments that are open to anyone. And, you know, because they're not the Premier League, they're not the NBA, they can have a little more fun and mess around with the rules more, uh, which creates, uh, you know, kind of a fun punchier atmosphere and has eventually brought in ESPN as a as a media partner. And that attention is bringing in bigger names to play in these tournaments. So lots of universities and colleges send teams or alumni teams. Uh, Overtime Elite has a presence in the basketball league. Uh, the soccer league, uh, the soccer tournament, I mean, happened earlier this summer, um, and that brought in Premier League names like West Ham and Wrexham, which has been getting a lot of attention lately. Anyway, I had a great conversation with John, and that's coming up next. All right, I am joined now by John Mugar, founder and CEO of TBT and TST. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. So TBT and TST stand for the basketball tournament and the soccer tournament. The basketball tournament's been going for a few years now. The soccer tournament is starting this summer. Uh, so first, let's, let's just get some basic background here. What is the basketball tournament? It's an annual single elimination winner-take-all tournament for a million dollars that is open to anybody. So we use the March Madness format, which is 64 teams, single elimination. We run it over three weeks of the summer, so it kicks off right after NBA Summer League, and it ends in the first week of August. So open to anybody. Can LeBron James and a team show up if you want? He can, to? and you can show up. Uh, so, so all right, all, cool. Maybe I will. all the all the above. I'm six three. Yeah. Um, what what we found is that uh, LeBron or and or his agent don't necessarily love the the risk of him coming and playing, uh, nor would the NBA or the Lakers. So. Uh, that hasn't happened quite as much, but we are open to all. Okay, yeah. And so um, do you get more than 64 teams? Like w- what happens if, you know, 100 teams show up? And what do you do then? We have over 100 apply every year. So we have a selection process here in-house and we pare it down to the, the top 64. What's it been like to to grow this brand, you know, from scratch? It's awesome in so many ways. Um and it's, it's hard to work in sports specifically um, or generally, but uh, it's even harder to, to imprint on the game and innovate it. And what we found with TBT is that we have a great platform. We've been in the ESPN for nine years and uh, we have an opportunity to change the game rules and, and do things different in ways that uh, nobody else can. And so we, we, we wear that kind of proudly and uh, we, we love that opportunity. Yeah, and I want to get to the soccer tournament, but I have to hit on the fact that you guys use the Elam ending, which I think is awesome, and um, I'm hoping the NBA adopts it one day. So tell us, what is the Elam ending? Instead of playing until the game clock runs out, we set a target score at the end of the game, and the first team with the target score wins. So in our case, with four minutes to go in the game, we add eight to the leading team's score, and that becomes the target score, and the first team wins. So it gets out of all the deliberate fouling at the end of the game, 
makes every game end on a game-winning shot. It requires all the clutchest and best players to be on the floor at the end of the game. Uh, and it results in a, in a viral moment in many cases that uh, travels really well on social media too. So we feel it's an improvement on the game of basketball. Um, and I think a lot of others do as well. And it's making its way through the sport pretty rapidly. Yeah. And just to like hammer this out for our audience. So with four minutes left, if the score is 100 to 95, it's just first team to 108 wins the game. And so, yeah, you can have a big comeback. You can you can end on a slam dunk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a better product than teams fouling each other. And it's just like, can can this guy make another free throw to seal the deal here? Um, any other rule innovations that that you're excited about that you've worked in? The other one we we created was uh, back in 2014, the first year of TBT. After the game, we had this huge bracket in our arena, and we marched the winning team over, and they placed their placard onto the next round in the bracket. And you see that now played out just about everywhere. But NCAA does it with March Madness, the football championship. Um, it's, it's been almost everywhere and, and I ripped it from the karate kid, so I can't really take credit for it, but, uh, but it, it was ours to, we were the first one to bring it to those sports. So yeah, let's get to the soccer tournament. Um, oh, what's, I mean, it's, you know, essentially I think same deal, but with soccer, but how, how does this work? How, how are you bringing this over to, to soccer? We're using the world cup format. It's going to be seven V seven. Uh, so I can get into the game rules in a second, but it's a World Cup format, 32 teams. Instead of four weeks, we're going to play it over four days down in Cary, North Carolina. So it'll have a very U.S. Open-ish feel to it with multiple games happening at the same time, fans bouncing around, getting up close and personal with players uh, and the action itself. So we announced it in October, never having done it before. We had over 450 teams apply over the coming months for the 32 spots. So it was very competitive to get in. We arrived at an, a phenomenal field, uh, and and we have 32 teams now lined up to play in in two weeks and carry. And, and you've got some some top teams per- participating. So just who are some of the na- the names, the teams that are are sending at least seven players? We do. Um, that's the biggest difference with soccer and basketball. In basketball, we found our bread and butter to be alumni teams and tapping into fan bases that way. With soccer, what we find is these these big brands and clubs from overseas are actually entering as the club themselves. So West Ham United in Dortmund in Wolverhampton in Como 1907. And all of these clubs are entering it to give their fans a content opportunity. So they're putting legends in, former players, academy players. Some some people are bringing first teamers. And um, it's, it's really interesting that way. So in basketball, it would be the equivalent of the Lakers entering a TBT team and putting G-leaguers in and former players in and promoting it from their handles. So there, there's a whole different value set there and, and level of promotion. Right. And yeah, it's just such a different world where you know in the u.s most of our main sports like there's the professionals are are so much better than than we don't really have the pyramid um uh we have minor league systems but um and those professionals are paid millions of dollars and yeah their team doesn't want them risking an injury um even if it's a small risk um whereas yeah in soccer you've got the pyramid basically goes down to like you know some, some folks who to kick a ball around on the weekend all the way up to the highest level and like every level in between. And, uh, and these teams are trying to expand their brands overseas. So, you know, Premier League is getting more popular in the U S La Liga, like all these leagues are becoming of interest here. And so it makes branding sense, even if you, you don't care that much about the million dollars and they probably care a little bit, but, um, 
it, it makes sense for those teams to to try to, you know, for West Ham to say like, hey, here we are. Like, maybe you're interested in the Premier League. Why don't you, you know, we can be your Premier League team. Exactly. And we offer a vehicle for exposure in the U.S., as you said. Uh, traditionally, there's they can come over and play a series of friendlies or exhibition matches, um, which costs a lot. It's a lot of organization that goes into it. You're traveling your team. But for this, you can come over for less than a week put your brand out there in front of an audience, put together a team that is different, creative. It's legends, it's first teamers, it's academy players, it's, all, it's a women's first teamer. It's all of the above and have fun, have more fun with the sport in a less formal way. Yeah, and are there innovations that you're looking at in soccer the same way you did with basketball? Yeah, the exact same innovations in some cases. It's going to be two 20-minute halves. Uh, our games will, will wrap up in uh, just under an hour uh, as we're testing it. And all of our games will end on a goal. So we're going to set a target score at the end of the second uh, half. And we're going to set, it's going to call it target score time instead of the Eel ending for soccer. And so the target score will be plus one over the leading team's goal count. And the first team to that goal count wins. So we're, and we're going to pull a player off the field on each team every five minutes during target score time too. So it's going to go down to six on six, five on five, four on four, et cetera, until the game's over. And one of those games has to get to one-on-one. We're we going to require that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, cool. Well, um, uh, if, if folks are, are curious about that, where, they, where can they find you guys? TheTournament.com has info on both basketball and soccer. All right. All right, cool. All right, John Mugar, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. That's it for today. Hope you're enjoying the show. Rate us and review us on the podcast service of your choice or just tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you on Monday.